Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. That was a very Macho Man Randy Savage opening because we're amped for this show. Joined, as always, on my film adventure by my very bitchy and popular (laughs) friend, Heather Dandino, Alex Dandino, whatever my name is. I mean, if there was ever a man who was a Heather, <laughs> it's, <you know. laughs> it's true. Uh, okay, guys, this is the pod and rolls in the School of Hard Knocks month. We know it's a lot. It's a mouthful. But uh, this might be my favorite curation we've done, man. These movies are all so fucking outstandingly fun. And today we bring you a movie that I, I was worried hadn't aged well. For obvious reasons. But I actually think, I think about it differently now having re-watched it for the show. So today we're looking at Heathers. I believe 1988's Heathers. Um, this is Winona Ryder and Christian Slater in kind of the nightmare on John Hughes Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you will. I, that's a good way to put it. This movie is really um, a terrifying. I don't know. It's sort of this like terrifying precursor to everything that's happened in the last 20 years of our lives it's very strange this is the the weird part about the movie is i i wondered when we picked this one i was my question is how will heather's age going forward right um in a reality where so many kids are going to be dealing firsthand with the kind of crimes um that this movie portrays in in a way a black comedy right so will the dark comedy hold enough to let people get past the oh man this is just too much and too hard um but yeah i kind of think about it and this is the thing that's not for us to decide because we're a little bit older right but um you know we were kids when columbine happened like i remember that was the biggest thing i remember my mom raiding my room looking for marilyn manson cds and dune video games (laughs) Like, I kept doing video games in my room, whatever the fuck. Wow. But, uh... I just so, remember going home from school early. That's what I remember. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. This is something that is now so prevalent. I actually looked up some stats. Uh, I'm a, I think this is 1988. I could be It's 88. Wrong. Yeah, I'm a little bit jumbly with dates and names. You guys know that. We're friends. <laughs> so, in 1988, I looked it up. There were only six incidents of school shootings, period. Five fatalities. Um, and even the ones injured much smaller scale than it seems like we deal with now, but I was actually shocked. It was even happening that much back then. It's, it's very, I mean, man. Yeah. Watching this movie gives me again. It's, I I think it's a good movie, but it's one of those things that just gives me kind of the eerie chills, I guess, because you realize this is sort of the dawn of the, like, even the way like Christian Slater's characters dressed is exactly the way the Columbine kids holy dressed. Holy shit! Like, it's very the uncomfortable. Scene, yeah, the scene when he's chasing down his victim, I was like, "Holy fuck!" He's like rocking the full tactical. Yeah, Columbine it's a coat. real like it's a real trench coat mafia thing going on. Like it's very uncomfortable. Like in certain aspects, uh, especially just his character in general, it's very uncomfortable with that kind of thing. But again. It's important. I I do think it's an important movie, and it's an important thing to do is to watch stuff that kind of reflects. Man, it's so fascinating. This happened in '88. Those are the stats, and now this is like the norm, which is terrifying. Oh yeah. Well, right down the street for me here in or in Noblesville, Indiana, like a month at or a couple months after I moved here, there was a kid like a 
middle school kid who walked to the school with a gun and thankfully got busted before shit went down. But I was like, holy shit, man. Yeah. But no, the, this is the thing that I, I think the movie helps shield itself against some of these harsher realities is that the dark comedy is also um, writing kind of this this protective wave of style is how I would phrase it, right? Yeah. So you, you watch the opening scene of the movie and it's kind of this idyllic three girls in a garden hanging out. They're all very color coordinated, which is a, a trend throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they step over this fence and smash these these red roses, these vibrant red roses. Right. They come out to play croquet, and Winona Ryder's character, Veronica, right, the fourth member of the the power click, right, is Veronica, not Heather. They're actually using her head as the croquet steak. Yeah. And to me, the opening scene has this very Alice in Wonderland feel, right? It's the you know, flamingos is croquet mallets and paint everything red. Yeah. So to me, right off the bat, they're letting you know this is they they're it's an augmented version of reality. This is yeah. not it's not meant to play like uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Well, or whatnot, right, you know? right. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> that's a very different uh, version of the story. Yeah, I think that the way the movie starts and I, I wrote down like I love this opening so much, like the way this movie starts is very particular and. Yes, it's put in a way that is meant to amp up the comedy at the very beginning. Because this is truly the darkest of comedies you could come up with, especially about high school. But I also think that you do need to sort of watch it with this sense of levity a little bit. Because there's a lot of ridiculous stuff that happens. But again, I I really do like that this whole opening really defines these like these these three heathers like that's the it's the definition of like clicks in high school it's the precursor to mean girls all the stuff that you've seen that you love this is where it comes from really as far as like those kinds of like high school clicks go yeah it's it's a fascinating movie too because almost none of the characters are presented as actual human beings so few of them have moments of true emotion or reaction it feels like like they're very sparsely added here and there because the the closer you make these people human and not these kind of giant archetypes right. it it becomes a lot scarier movie right um they they have the great opening where they do the the lunchroom poll yeah and this is how they introduce us to all the clicks and let us know and they everyone is so stereotypical but, but this is this is the the kind of world they're setting us up in and I, to me, I, I don't know. I can look at it more as this kind of dark fable. And in a way, you can look at this movie and, and see that Winona Ryder is one of the only actual humans kind of grappling with her id amongst all of these fucking ideas of other humans. Sure. So I, that's, I think this movie, you, you somewhat have to take a step back out of reality, knowing again that that's hard in today's world. Yeah. But if you take a step back and look at it as this kind of dark fable, then I think the movie still has a lot to offer. Yeah. I think you need to keep one foot in and one foot out personally. Like there's a way to, there's a way to step out and see like, especially like the way the Heathers talk about everybody and that opening scene, uh, that opening scene is very specific to kind of like the opening, uh, the cafeteria thing is very specific to kind of give you a sense of where we're at, which is, everyone is sort of homogenized into their click. Like there's nothing about anyone who's an individual. Like we're not in that situation. And again, it's the prototype for every movie about a bitchy click of people 
ever. Mm-hmm. I love uh, I did I read this out because I was just reading little factoids and I read that the guy who wrote this uh, he modeled it after he modeled that opening scene after uh, the beginning of uh, Full Metal Jacket. Really? Yeah. He was also like obsessed with getting Stanley Kubrick to direct this movie. <laughs> like he he said that Stanley Kubrick was the only one who could get away with making a three hour film. And I'm like, that movie's not three hours long. But like, yeah, he apparently went. It's as just far Winona Ryder sitting in her room, <laughs> shivering with her journal, she and was, she just takes an axe to everyone. <laughs> dear diary, my dear diary, my teenage has a body count. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's something else, man. Like, I mean, J- JD's dad is Scatman Crothers. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> oh man, I would fucking watch that movie. I absolutely would have watched Heather's from Stanley Kubrick. Holy shit! Uh, Honestly, there's almost no movie that's ever been made I wouldn't like to see the Stanley Kubrick version. <laughs> right? I feel like every time we watch a movie, I'm like, man, what would? I, I it's not like I go. Now I'm gonna go back and think about all these movies we've watched. I'm like. What if Stanley Kubrick had directed this? How different it would have Didn't been. Didn't we already see this though? Isn't 2001 just like how's like the advanced computerized Heather? <laughs> He's like, look at them in the pod talking shit on me. I will destroy. <laughs> you can't sit with us, Dave. Like that's exactly where we're at. How yeah. was how how is the last Heather? How is the last Heather? How is Heather? How is Heather Duke advanced <laughs> into? <laughs> The Heather 9000, man. Heather 9000. She thinks people are talking shit. She's paranoid. She destroys. She realizes in turn she's destroyed herself. That's really what the H stands for in Hal. Like, it's Heather. <laughs> Heather's all along. That's what Hal Heather's stands. all along, 9000. Without question. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, my God. We just cracked the fucking code. God, I feel good about myself already. Right. I... I mean, getting back to the movie, yeah. that, now that's all I can think about is how <laughs> But <laughs> I actually think this movie has one of the greatest opening, like, let's say 15, 20 minutes of any movie. Sure. Because it goes straight from the kind of dreamy, uh, things are about to get fucked up, right? And people are going to be trodden upon into the clicks. But that caf- cafeteria scene does so much work for the, the rest of this movie, right? Yeah. Not only are we setting up the clicks, but then we have to um, introduce Winona Ryder's friend's past, right? What she's given up to become a Heather, essentially. Right. right. We the, meet the geeky uh, Christian Slater's JD, uh, just kind of creeping, doing like Nicholson eyebrows at her the whole time. Yeah, he's just like sitting off in the background for like, I mean, that's the, it's one of the best like cutaway shots. Like, it's like every five minutes they cut back to Christian Slater just doing his. <laughs> Hey, Christian well, Slater. Every thing. time she performs an action, she has to look over and get Christian Slater's like approval reaction. Uh, yeah, odd, odd approval. <laughs> the other thing. But, uh, this is the funny thing. too. They, they set up. So this is where they set up the lunchtime poll about what would you do with five million dollars? And this is a hilarious, interesting way to show us the clicks without just the visuals. Right. right. I thought that was a brilliant touch. I liked it. But it also is how we see uh, Winona Ryder and Christian Slater finally bond because she changes the question, which I thought was an interesting little choice. She kind of shortens it, right? right? She takes out the Ed McMahon in the two days. Right. You get money aliens today, and Christian Slater says, my, that you know artifact of the Heather over there is really stupid and sets himself apart. But also we have two other enormous – I mean, that's what I mean. This scene has so much fucking meat on the bone. Yeah. No pun intended. This is where we meet uh, Dump Truck. Dump Truck. And it, and just, this is, 
I fucking adore this scene. And she is one of the most forgotten but awesome characters in a movie. I I her her arc in this movie is so fucking just devastatingly beautiful to me at times. I think the But no- watching this prank unfold, yeah, that's we've the all thing seen I love. that in real life. I think it that's the thing I love the most is like the real timeness of this that that like the note pass prank unfolding is it adds this great ticking clock to the lunchroom scene. Like it's a great way it's a great way to punctuate something too. Like you forget about it and cause you move on and you're like, that's never gonna come up again. And it literally punctuates the end of the scene. And yeah, it's just so brilliantly unfurled because they cut back and forth again, man. Like it's masterful just editing, writing, directing is like going back and forth between what at this point now we're juggling five storylines at once. <laughs> like, I mean, that's amazing. what I mean. They, it, it comes off as just this, Oh, look at these kind of cliche high school characters, but so much is happening. Yeah. But, and that's what I, I mean, the devastating reality of someone like Martha, who's just trying to like exist, just trying to get through her and day, seeing man. Winona oh Ryder, who we can tell is a bit apart from the Heathers partake in this. Cause she has the handwriting copying skills and just watching in real time her fucking just how she goes along with Heather so she doesn't get berated and the devastating effect this has effect it has. When Martha walks up to that table and they read it and just start laughing at her. Oh. It's one of those instant moments of just it you know, your fucking guts just fall out of your ass because you're like, everyone has been Martha in that moment mm-hmm. or has seen that moment, or you know, perhaps even worse, some of us took part in a moment like that just trying to score points and it's it's such a fucking true moment yeah i think that oh uh, yeah like because that's the thing that the scene is just riddled with these amazing fucking one-liners yeah you know what i mean because we there's we get too to many to a count lot about too. like it's just like well, it's like the fuck me with the chainsaw what do i look like fucking mother Teresa? dope ass line by the way like, it's like every fucking line to me is is just kind of funny like that right and yeah is, is Heather's kind of laying out her, I have the power, I can make you. It's just all of this laying out the creed of what a Heather is. But beneath that, there are these real fucking serious moments. And then there's the, it, the scene just ends because JD fucking pulls a gun out of his trench coat. Right. And fires blanks in the fucking football team's face. <laughs> yes. There, there, that's the, I'm sorry. I like the end of the sh- the end of the real scene like is that dump truck thing but yeah the punctuation that's like the punctuation and it's basically the next paragraph is JD fucking firing blanks in a Yeah. Like, it's one of those things like I remember the first time it, I saw again, it again it's it's shocking nowadays. Yeah. Like I I was thinking about it like everything that I watched especially with this movie now comes from this lens of nowadays and I got to tell yeah. you like that I'm like oh that kid would be like in jail. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that's the thing. Like, when I watched it as a younger kid, I remember kind of having this, yeah, right on. Yeah. Like, you know, these guys are the true romance couple for my brain. Like, they're young like me, and I I relate to these characters. Right. And they're kind of sentiments on this kind of saccharine, paper-thin reality that was high school that we all had to suffer. And then you see it as an older person. You're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I for and, sure thought that I'm like, oh, there's no way <laughs> that kid isn't in jail. The best part is everyone's like, all they're going to do is suspend him for like a week. I'm like, that's it? He brought yeah, a right? gun to school. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, but that's, 
it <laughs> I mean that's the last moment in this infinitely huge scene that we just did. It's one of the densest scenes as far as what it's doing for a movie in a long time yeah. and that most memorable of cappers. Um so let's take on the actual heathers, right? So in this scene too, we get a lot of cuz we cut from here to the croquet scene and in these two scenes we're kind of laying out the entire creed of the heathers. Right. Right? And th- this is kind of what the whole theme of the movie is really summed up by, um, you know, Red Heather, which is this. She doesn't necessarily care about any of these other people because there's the one table she walks up to that are kind of rich kids. And they're like, oh, great, Heather. But she still kind of gets them to do what she wants a little bit. And she has this line where she talks about none of that. Their reactions matter because to everyone in the school, they want to be her friend or fucker, which makes her worshipped. Right. That's the most important thing, right, is popularity. And to that extent, I guess you would say power in the, the greater scheme of this world. Right. Um, And you see this too, right? Like the thing I love they do in the croquet scene is uh, when she smashes Shannon Doherty's ball. <laughs> And she's like, of course, I always take the chance to smash. I never would take two extra shots. Right. Right. She doesn't care about the tactics. It's about crushing. Right. And then Doherty's Heather hits an amazing shot to get back. And the red Heather's like, fuck you. It just yeah. does it again. <laughs> and it, it's it's little, but it kind of sums up the entire yeah. theory of this, of popularity in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's about, I mean. Every great, I really do think every great movie about high school popularity or anything is about how thin, like how threadbare the line between love and fear is. Like, you can love someone or be absolutely balls out afraid of them, and it's almost the exact same emotion, to be honest with you. Like, I. Like, right. <laughs> I really yeah. see so much of, like, what became Mean Girls in this movie. Like those yeah. three are the archetypes that we that they worked with the entire time. But that the number one Heather uh, is that Heather McNamara. Like Heather McNamara is the one who is she's obviously. I only the, know the colors. I know the color Heather's. I couldn't remember their names. <laughs> it's not Red Heather. Red Heather's Shannon Doherty, right? No, Red Heather is the main Heather because that becomes a theme later. Right. Okay. Cool. Of the embracing the mantle. Right. So Red Heather is yeah. That's what. Oh yeah. I forgot because of the bow. Okay. So. Um, Red Heather, like Red Heather's whole thing the entire time is she does not care if people love her. She wants people to fear her. Like she's not interested in high school guys or anything. Like she's the one who's going out to fucking college parties and all kinds of shit like that. Right. Like, right. That's a really important thing is like, she's the alpha Heather because she is feared, not loved. She's straight up feared. The other two See, people I, still kind of, I like. actually think a little differently about Heather. Cause I, I'm kind of, I'm with you in that headspace, but to me, it's not because she's feared it's because in a weird way by the end of the movie we spend a lot of time kind of litigating whether or not heather deserved it right or was a really bad person but by the end of the movie we realize that heather might have figured this all out before everyone else okay and that heather is just the one who's willing to you know kind of like in a matrix way she's working outside of the the rules you know, because all these other cliques in, in, in high school cliques in general, they serve this purpose of, you know, strength in numbers. Right. So I can't be a Heather, but I can, you know, dress like these people and we'll all dress alike and we'll do this and that. The Heathers have a, a very clear, they 
all are separate colors. Right. And this and that. There's a very kind of clear alpha order that you don't see in a lot of the other cliques, right? There's stoners and nerds and jocks, and they're all kind of a one thing. Heather is clearly the head of her own little creation. And the college party, to me, is an amazing moment because it's it's the moment where we see the Heather Creed washed asunder, right? Where Heather, in a moment, she's so fascinated by this idea of a college party, right? Like, if you fuck this up, you're going to be just having keggers with boys, right? Yeah. And we get to the college party, and all you see is that Same these shit. are just more, they're just more pretentious little boys, yeah, right? And, and Heather has this moment where she kind of caves to this guy to to content to perpetuate this this heather that she's created and you can tell she's fucking angry about it with the way she spits at the mirror right her own reflection she's fucking sickened and then that turns into her revulsion and anger at winona Ryder because she fucking stood up and she didn't cave in to this right these fallacies of character building but it's it's a really honest and human moment yeah from this kind of just classic mean girl villain. Sure. I mean, I think the other thing about that is, to, more to your point, too, like the impression I always get from Red Heather is that in the very beginning is that she, the reason she is the way she is because she has it essentially figured out. Like, I think that's a lot of the time how that archetype exists. And I think this is probably the first time we saw it, which is uh, like a main character like that who is loathed and loved by all. Mm-hmm. It's not because, like, this is a stereotype she's perpetuated because she has it figured out. Like, high school is beyond, like, she is beyond high school, so to speak. Like, she's obviously still in high school. But I think the emotions and all that kind of stuff that's required to be in high school is boring to her. So, therefore, she's grown beyond it. And when you see that archetype in movies, I really enjoy it. I think that spitting in the mirror scene is pretty much the summary of her entire character. Like, she understands the facade she has to put up. She absolutely hates it. But she knows that this is what it has to be for now to maintain control. Well, yeah, the, the high school is all just a stage and they're all just characters. Right. And she's determined to be the lead. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. And I, that's the thing. I, I think her character, because what they do with her character, too, is they, they, made it, they made it portable. Right. So later in the movie, we see um, Green Heather, Shannon Doherty. Mm-hmm. She takes the bow and immediately replaces Heather. And there's that great moment where she's trying to get the survey signed and she's sprawled out on this this window bench, just basking in the warmth and glow right. of taking on this mantle, right? She, she now is the exact same person for all intents and measures in this movie. Right. And in that, turning the Heather bow into this kind of brain parasite that actually morphs who you are. I thought it was cool because there, there's this very Pandora's box moment where Veronica opens up the now deceased Heather's locker and she's kind of looking through her stuff and, and there's that little, you know, Heather Ohio name tag like, yeah, that yeah. we've all seen. And the fact that Heather in there, she when you open the locker, there seems like a real person in there somewhere, right? Like strips of photos. But then there's also all this red junk. Yeah. And that's what Shannon Doherty leads to, right? This pandora's box of letting out this evil parts of heather and she fully fucking embraces it so to take her from the mean girl and we know there's some moments of humanity right like even in her death when jd 
hands her the drink. She's like, I'm not fucking drinking that. You put loogies in it or whatever. Right. She's like, you think I'll drink that just because you called me a chicken? And she exactly and she does drinks it. it because he calls her a chicken. <laughs> and she dies. That's what it is. Like, she's afraid for even one moment yeah. for this outside new kid loser to see a crack in her fucking character. By the way. That it, it leads to her death. By the way, this movie gets going in a real fucking hurry when this starts going down. Like, they literally get back from the party. Christian Slater and Winona Ryder have sex. And then they go and fucking poison Heather, Heather McNamara. Like... It is. Yeah. It it all happens very rapidly. Like this is the thing that I I had totally forgotten how quickly all this goes down. Like <laughs> I mean the whole movie's like a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like week. Five of, dead students. A, a week, week of people just being murdered. Like it's like <laughs> it's like it's like another precursor to like scream. Like it happens so fast. Yeah. I uh Yeah, I I really that scene too is really fascinating to me like she does the exact uh, yeah that's a great way to put it she just she's so obsessed with being the alpha that she doesn't want anyone to see this crack so she just fucking downs that thing dies and then like like the forging of the suicide like the suicide notes particularly are really fascinating to me because they always are incorporated with this like sort of like that moby dick thing that keeps coming up like that's something i fucking love like a, right. it's hilarious because it's Moby Dick, and literally there is no more depressing book in the English language than Moby Dick. Uh, <laughs> say for, it's a slog. Wait, it's a no. Slog. Sorry, the first time. Oh, no, no. The first time. I love the idea, though, that like the idea he gets when he sees it is the he sees the script, the script notes for the bell, the bell jar. Like that's like the that's what gives him the idea. <laughs> it's like, oh, sweet. This girl probably committed suicide. because She read Sylvia Plath. Like, I'm like. <laughs> All right, so we're sticking yeah, with like classic I, high school tropes here. I I like the the Moby Dick because it's Shannon Doherty who's reading it in the first scene, even right. They're like, put it down and hit your croquet ball, right? And we see her reading it until she takes the red headband and then puts it down, right? Like the the white whale is popularity, and once she has it, she's like, fuck it, man. Now I'll just be you know Ahab fucking with my crew, right? <laughs> you know? Like what what is Ahab if he had caught the whale? Right. Shannon Doherty, I guess. It's <laughs> the other thing though is like at the very beginning, it's I was trying to figure it out the entire time and I don't know if it was just like a matter of like speed in the film, but like the Winona Ryder is very blasé. Like she seems shocked but not shocked enough the fact that like people continue to die in front of her. Like this becomes like sort of just like this sort of Right. Well, that's weird. what Christian Slater tells her. Because I wrote that down at one point when when he did the whole fake line about, oh, these are German right, the, bullets. Right, the Eklug and whatever. whatever. It, but that's that's one of the themes of the movie, right, is that she's really smart. And that that's what plays yeah. into her character. She's smart and with it. So it makes the struggle even harder that she got caught up in this Heather's bullshit because even someone like her, um, strong and seemingly good, wanting to do right, can't escape the monster, right? right? This this Moby Dick of popularity. And what Christian Slater offers her is that convenient excuse where she can still keep her facade going. Right. She knows the whole fucking time. Like, that's the thing. Winona Ryder is the one who grabs the cup that Heather drinks. Right. There are two cups. She poured one and Christian Slater poured one. Right. She's the one who grabs the cup and then later is like, oh, I didn't know. Right. To me, the whole movie, you're like, bullshit. She knows the whole fucking time. 
Right. She knows exactly. Well, I guess that's true. She, she does. She gets home from the party, right? Right. And and she, we see like they even do the. She accidentally lit a fire. A fire is lit in her. Right. I want to kill. You know, Heather is the fucking worst. Blah blah blah. I want to kill. She fucking wrote that. Right. You know, she's joking about it. She's been thinking about it. What we see from Christian Slater is that he seemingly has done stuff like this before. Right. Well, right? kid, know, oh, I'm a, I'm a Drano man. It's this, like he he knows exactly. This what kid's the definitely like is. a Dahmer in training. There's no doubt in my mind. Yes, and with the gun, it's like if he hasn't already done this, he's thought an awful fucking lot about it. Well, you know what I realized? But Winona Ryder plays innocent, right? And I think for necessary fact of, she's our link to this world, so we have to somewhat believe that on some level she wants to be good. I just don't. I think she knows the whole fucking time what she's doing. And, and you know, she's participating. She's – and the it's weird because the thing she seems most upset about with her crimes is that her writing the letters have this Wizard of Oz effect, uh, Oz effect of giving Heather a heart, uh, the linebacker yeah. a brain, and the other guy feeling – she's more mad that these these people are being lionized and then used for other – kind of two-faced narratives right. by these you know the hippie teacher the the feed the world kid who really just wants to get into a good school and become rich whatever right um she's more mad that her letters kind of gave these people dignity in the death that she caused. right i feel like the more it's interesting like the more she's absolved of the crimes like nobody suspects her the more she the more the worse she feels as yeah like you're saying they get lionized i like though he does sort of like call her out for thinking like, oh, how could you, how could you be that stupid? Like when they, after they get done shooting the jocks in the woods, they're in the car at the school and she's like, I don't know. He's like, you knew. And like, they yeah, have that like 20 minute back. Like did not, did so, did not, did so. Yeah. Like you're right. Like she absolutely knows what she's doing. Like she's honestly worse than it's interesting. She's almost in her own Heather click herself. Well, this Where? is the thing, right? Everyone who dies is essentially at her behest. Right. She knows exactly. Like, why do the two jocks die? It's because they were spreading a horrible rumor that they had a sword fight in her mouth. Right. Right. And Christian Slater <laughs> shows up as this convenient bad guy. Like, I'm feeling kind of superior tonight. <laughs> right. You know, doing this like low rent fucking Nicholson routine he does. She's the one, though. Right. This is all her. Like I think there's an interesting dynamic too. What I love in this movie is that so Heather is marked as our bad person. But by the end, we realize that they're all the same, right? Like every character is coming at this from their own kind of same area. But her and JD are the most like Heather. Because one, they're looking down on every other student from this place of moral superiority while they're murderers. Right. Right, they intellectually feel they have the ability to judge the shit out of all these people and <laughs> right, hurt them. Right. Like Winona Ryder's her running joke with her parents is that they're idiots. And they might be, right. but still that's fucking not something that a normal good kid does. I love that pattern. Right? That's that. actually the line with her mom that I fucking love, which is you know, she's like, We just want to be treated like humans, not guinea pigs. She's like, Most of the time teenagers say they want to be treated like humans. It's because they don't like being treated like the rest of us humans. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great line you're like that's so fucking true uh but yeah i i don't know this is 
Because that's the thing, right? So so Heather's moral superiority and mad about the letters, right? That's her kind of red ribbon to bear, as it were. JD, though, he's also a Heather. Because what you learn later on is, is she tries to pull away and feign ignorance, right? right? Moral superiority even. What you realize is like he's like, he hangs the effigy in a room mm-hmm. of the other Heather, right? I'll kill the Heather. He blackmails her with photos that as a kid she was friends with the dump truck, right? What you learn is that he could still kill and carry out his mission without her. Right. But without a witness and an audience to how great and superior he is, there's no point. That's a good point. I mean, this movie... There's no honor and dignity in his crusade. It's just, it's another fucking Heather. That's the thing. Like, just assume that Heather means... That you're some kind of bad false face for your right. inner demons. I mean, they all are. To me, this movie is about the falsity of falsity of a couple of things, but mainly like the falsity of idolizing uh, your own station in life. Like, I think Christian Slater, like when Christian Slater's going to go shoot the jocks, he does like I'm feeling kind of superior tonight, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, there are levels of superiority that a lot of, and this is something that a lot of people who. You know, not that I investigate this a lot, but this is something that a lot of people who have done this kind of thing uh, feel is they feel like they're better than the people that they end up like those people had their chance and they don't deserve to live anymore. Like this is a psychology that's not uncommon. So I think it's interesting that we're watching a movie that's essentially like this story about people realizing that no one's better than anyone or at least. One person. Right. Does. Well, even in the moment when Christian Slater hands over the pictures of Dump Truck, he has now weaponized this poor fucking put upon girl the exact same way V did that gave him his original moral high hand to say how much he hated the Heathers and try to separate her from the pack. Right, right. So they're all and this is the weird thing, is it's it's this people don't appreciate me for who I am while every character is doing nothing pre- presenting a false face <laughs> to everyone right, around. Them. Right. You I know, mean, it's, it's just, it's high school, <laughs> but it's high school. Like that's like, that's uh, to me, honestly, this is one of the most perfect representations and capturings of what it actually felt like yeah. to be in high school. I agree. I think that right, honestly, not without the tragedy stuff, but like just this constant, fucking battle yeah. like it does feel like a battle at times. it always is like the need to prove yourself in high school is so prevalent and so like important a lot of the time like i mean eventually by the time you're old like by the time you're old enough you realize it was all kind of a scam and you're like god damn what was i doing the whole time but when you're in high school it's so important like it's not even about fitting in it's about fitting your click so to speak like that's a real yeah. it's about fitting your click and like dodging the people who want to bully you essentially like, that's really oh, kind of the I accomplishment mean, of high schools. If you can get out, like, <laughs> relatively unscathed, yeah. you probably did okay. Well, you look back on it now and you're like, wait, all I had to do is just, like, fucking go to movies and Best Buy and not pay bills. And you know, I know, right? Like, I had a job, but it was, like, an easy job and I hung out all the time. Wait oh. a second. All my money was disposable income? <laughs> oh, God damn it. What the hell? Fuck. Yeah. If only we could all get trapped in high school nowadays. <laughs> Who fucking knows? But, no, I, I mean, this... That, that, to me, is the game of the movie. Like, you see it really well in the two football players. Right. These guys who are like, they constantly want to kick people's ass. No, we're seniors now. Be cool. But they can't control themselves, right? But these two are constantly swaying back and forth between who they really are and what they they think they are. Right. Right? So, like, a great example. 
They chase down the nerds and are beating up nerds in a church right in front of a statue of an angel. Tell them you like to suck big dicks. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're both framed as gay, right? Right. The kid, the guy actually running away from Christian Slater the exact same way the nerd ran from him but yeah. a day before. Uh, they've lied and said, you know, that Winona Ryder did this. And it it's it's so fascinating because you even get the moment where the cops, he finds the fucking mineral water. I think that's one of the funniest okay, jokes. Okay, that's one of my favorite jokes. It's like when when, she, when he's like pulling out like the stash of stuff. To I've make, got the whole story here. I, I love the, the idea. Water. When Christian Slater like takes out all the stuff, like his like make people look gay kit. It's like yes. gay porn, uh, a couple other things, and then mineral water. And they're like, what's wrong with mineral water? And, and Winona Ryder's like, it gets a bad rap. And he's like, yeah. Well, and she's like, I mean, people are coming around. And then he literally goes, yeah, this is Ohio. People haven't come around to mineral water yet. Yeah. And what was funny? He's like, if it's not a brewski, you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a brewski, you might as well be, you might as well be pull, putting a skirt on. And I'm like, Wow. Ohio really hasn't changed that much, has it? Like, I remember I remember growing up in Ohio being like, that hasn't <laughs> changed at all. <laughs> mom, mom, can I have some mineral waddle in my thermos? And your dad's like, oh, no. No. <laughs> yeah, in my Spider-Man thermos? No, gayness. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it wasn't very much unlike that. Let's be, let's be let's clear. Let's be completely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not far off. It, not my dad, but I, that was but not no, funny. And this is something funny, too, man. When when the cops find their dead bodies, they even say, oh, what a waste. And they cut to the church where then they butch them up again by burying them in, in their, their helmets. Their football. Oh, my and God, like, that was great. Even if you were some kind of pansy, I love my son. Yeah. I love my dead gay son. He has to add all these qualifiers. So even his dead. The church scenes in this movie are among my favorite. They're fantastic. Because not it, only is it just such a not subtle shot to church is all bullshit. Yeah. But they really hit in on this idea of praying to false idols for self-serving reasons. And it's, and it's, like, and it's a, Otho. Here's a great example, that's my, right? Small that's the best choice. part. It's, and it's yeah. o- Otho is the priest. You're like, God, this movie just is nailing no. it. Oh, my God. I love that priest, dude. Uh, Glenn Shaddix. I actually looked him that's up. Yeah, he's always Thank got you. these great little parts in movies I love. Yeah. But there, there's this thing they do. It's a small choice that I love is at the first funeral with Heather, all the people walk up to the casket one by one to mourn facing the fucking crowd. Yeah. It's subtle, but it's just reinforcing this narrative of how does this death affect me? And they're all having these hilarious monologues with God. You know, like oh, when the, guy, the, best. the football player Rams like, why'd you have to kill such hot snatch? <laughs> Joking God. Joking God. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? That might be movie? one of my fa- that might be one but of my favorite lines in the later. whole movie. Joking, God, just kidding. I mean, there there are so fucking. This is such a delightful script. This movie is a fucking one liners galore, man. The scene that I love is at the end of the near the end, right when that she has the the daydream about oh that one uh, Green Heather's death, Doherty's death. Yeah, Heather dude. This yeah. is such an interesting section of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Because. This is where we contend we don't even need the notes anymore because we can't wait to project sadness and this destruction of youth. There's this theme they play with that adults love watching the youth fucking destroy themselves. Yeah. Because it somehow makes them seem better. <laughs> yeah. But so she she goes into the church, right? And he's even like, look, he highlighted the word Eskimo. Uh her, lo- her letter said life sucks and like scribble writing. Right. So they're not even putting the sham on anymore. No. And as we cut out, now the pastor's dressed in this like facade. 
and everyone is dressed in white with these kind of like Everyone's very got the white 80s glasses square on. glasses. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's become this cult of suicide is that with every suicide, you get to project something new onto yourself right? and how it, you know, fits into your narrative and the spaces it clears up for you to change right. your character. Well, and I was like, I don't often love kind of dream sequence to me because it feels a little cheating to me at times. Right. But I thought this one was a really fucking awesome moment in the movie to deploy this this kind of, I don't know what you would say, like a prop to reinforce all of the themes we're doing it as it's kind of all falling well, apart I mean, for JD and Well, uh, I mean, the other thing Veronica. too is like, the. I mean, even visually, the whole thing, like she's holding fake flowers. There's fake flowers hovering over her. Like I love that motif of it being, it's a dream, but it's also so false on so many levels of like, Oh, we're at another funeral. Like that's how Veronica, like, cause it's Veronica. That's how Veronica sees it in her dream is like, this is all bullshit. And then, right. And then the, fir- well, the last then- time we saw her at a funeral, her and JD are fucking laughing. Right. And I, that, that's a brilliant shot too, where the, uh, the quarterback or Rams little sister wearing the letter jacket turns around weeping. And for a moment, Winona Ryder realized, like, oh, man, I have become just the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? She's still sitting there judging the fuck out of them, you know, laughing at their handiwork, not realizing that despite the flaws in this and that, that's a little girl who just lost her brother. And that's a dad who lost his dead gay son. You know? <laughs> right. And, like, they're just sitting there yucking it up. It's it's a that is a startling character moment of how far uh, her mask has slipped. Right. And seeing who she really is at this point in the movie. Not to be outdone, though, we've totally. Did we glaze over the dump truckness? Because that really is one of my all time favorite like beats in this movie. Like, yeah, no, Mar- Martha in this movie is perhaps the only realistic high school student. Yeah. that we spend time with. Um, even the teachers and the principals are all kind of fucking caricatures, right? Oh yeah. Every every but time Martha Martha is such. Ugh, it's a beautiful, beautiful character. Martha's living in her own world. She's just trying to relax in the in the gym, drink a sodi by herself. She's sp- wearing this shirt for the anti-suicide band that happens to be called Big Fun. Big Fun spills her like, sodi, oh. and she realizes she's had it. Walks into oncoming traffic. But here's the crazy thing: with the suicide note with that suicide she actually wrote, yes. not be taped to herself. But here's the thing that I love the most, and this is like the part that. This is the part that I think is really fascinating is Heather. So um, Shannon Doherty, Heather. So Heather Duke, uh, they're talking like, did you hear about dump truck? Like, oh, no. She's like, no, the girl can't even kill herself. Right. Like, that's the thing that I think is like the most destructive and most interesting part of this movie is it's almost like it speaks to this desensitization that we all start having. Like, it's 88. Mm -hmm. Now we're like, you know. Now, like every week we read something horrible and we're like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Like this is 88 and everyone is like in within the span of this week is like, man, everyone keeps dying and all that kind of stuff. This idiot can't even kill herself. Right. Oh, yeah. What a loser. Like, that's what I love about this movie is like it heightens the it heightens the reality of everything. It makes the desensitization that much more stark when you see it. Oh, yeah. Well, when you get to that moment of Martha, when she spills the soda and you see it collapsing and you see her walking into traffic with that note, it's this very wide shot, right? Mm -hmm. You just see her taking this long walk, right? Yeah. It's the last walk. It's the Green Mile walk. 
it is so fucking, again, like you said, amped up in desensitization, all that shit, all the style and everything falls out. And we're just watching this moment. And, and the movie constantly is focusing on these horrific acts of violence and murder. Um, and these characters that you could argue who deserved it, who didn't, right? Right. Falsely. Like in the real world, obviously none of that. But, you know, the movie puts you in these kind of moral quandaries over who is more right and wrong. Right. The one thing no one can argue is that Martha is wronged. Yes. Edie. Wronged. Wronged. Right? And in the moment, the the only true moment of emotional reflection in the movie, in someone whose atrocity is so personalized that there's no splash to it. Right. The kind of person that when lost, the, the other hangarounds and sycophants of the school can't gain anything by lionizing her and changing the narrative. Um, it becomes this sad joke, right? When everyone should be applauding like, oh, she's okay. We can fix this and help her. She just becomes this fucking joke, man. And right. it, it is an absolute just machete to the heart to me. Oh, I agree. Because <laughs> the whole movie, you just want to reach out and give her a hug. And again, I, I think a lot of people who were in high school can go back and be like, fuck, man, like, I, at one time or another, definitely took part in making someone's day a lot fucking worse. Yeah. To cover my own ass. And and you don't think about these kind of different effects and long-term consequences when you're that age always. Because, again, high school is this, how do I fucking survive long enough to get that red ribbon? You know what right. I mean? No, exactly. And Martha is just such a fucking – it's just brutal. Like, it that is. shot of her walking towards the cars – and you kind of know the moment the soda hits that shirt, like that, the acting to just, oh my God, like her whole reality, everything she was holding together was in that right. cup. I mean, you know how, I mean? how often it's are we all, all sitting there just like, apart. you know what? Fuck this. Like anytime, like something yeah. small, like, I think that's what's fascinating too. And that's, what's great is it's just something small like that. Like it's, yeah. you spilled your soda. Well, you know what? If the soda's going to spill yes. and everything else in my life sucks, fuck this. I'm going to walk. Like that. Yeah, well, well, Wonderland is beautiful because of the big colors and style, and it lets us look at these bigger, scarier things in a protective way. Right. This to me is much more impactful because it's so fucking small and personal, and there's there's no shielding yourself against that Martha moment. True. There's no, you know, oh, you're buried under up to your neck, and we're gonna hit a croquet ball on you. Right. This is the fucking reality and the consequences of people chasing the Heather Dragon or Heather Whale, as it were. Yeah, I think that it's just it's just a beautiful moment in this movie. And then obviously it leads us to this like big epic climax with between uh, between JD and um Veronica like the standoff cuz basically JD concocts this scheme where Heather Duke uh you know has everyone sign a petition that is actually this like mass suicide note, which is kind of weird cuz I'm like what uh, why would a bunch of teenagers blow themselves up? But that's neither here nor there. Like there, it's, no, he said he's like this will be the Woodstock of our generation. It's right. gonna like be a calling sign to all these other his kind of grandiose narcissist shit. Right. Well, is coming it, out. It was more to the point of the practicality of like a bunch of teenagers blowing themselves up seems kind of weird. Like I figured it would yeah. like to it's me. Like, it, wait, they all work together. They work together <laughs> to set like like what if some like I mean to me it's more much more of a it's much more of a Jonestown situation. But you know you know that's. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's, you know, it's grabbing a loose hair. It's not it's not my fault. Uh, 
But again, like you have this great confrontation at the end. And what's fascinating to me too, is Veronica. Who's finally like the veil. It's almost like the veil has been lifted. She's like, this cannot be how this goes down. Like I love, she actually, hang on. I want to back up. Like, so she fakes suicide in her room. And JD like gives his yeah. little soliloquy. She fucking pulls a herald on JD. <laughs> really good, really good. She pulls a herald on JD, and he like basically like unveils his entire master plan to her supposed dead body. But because he has to have that audience, right? Has to have the audience. But I love that line too. He's like, "God damn it, I loved you. I did come up here to kill you, but I love you." I know, right? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That again, it's so funny. This movie has these like insanely ridiculous moments and amazing lines that just become relatable, right? Yeah. Like I love the one when the, the yellow Heather calls in as Tweety to the show. Tweety, yeah. And Doherty's like, this is when I can fucking make my duck. It's I'm going to crush my friend who's having a real emotional crisis. Yeah. She tries to fucking kill herself with pills. Mm -hmm. And uh, when owner writers just like, this is it, man. Like it, you're, you know, if you're happy all the time, you're not a person. You're a game show host. Yeah, great line. Like, oh, my God. That's such a fucking great way to look at Like, she has that other one, too, when she kills Heather. This is one of my favorites. Uh, when it's like, oh, my God, I killed my best friend. And Christian Slater goes, and your worst enemy. She goes, what's the difference? Oh, yeah. Like, again, this <laughs> movie. They, take these, they have so many. This movie has such amazing, lines. like, this is definitely high school lines. I, But. <laughs> That scene where she fakes suicide, I love because it's punctuated by her mom walking in because she was getting her to come down to yeah, dinner. That is so <laughs> and funny. Her, her mom starts. <laughs> her mom starts just like, "Oh God, uh, we should have done this more, should have that more," and she literally no, she like doesn't even up. cry. She just goes, "Oh, I should have let you take that job at the mall, but I was afraid you'd be out too." Late. <laughs> that's it. Like that's what she thinks but it's again, about. That's, but that's brilliant a, because the mom is reduced to turning her daughter's suicide into how am I going to explain this away and cover my own ass? Right. I love that it, it it's not, oh my God, my poor child, my child is gone. It's, wait, how could I have, how could I have prevented this? How does this affect me? Like everyone in this movie is such a selfish piece of shit. Besides Martha Dump Truck, she's the only one. She's the only one who isn't, isn't in it for herself. Yeah. I fucking love, that's probably my favorite oh, scene Oh, we in the forgot movie. about the chestnut of JD's dad. Before we get to the final oh, shit. Oh, my God, yes. So JD's dad is an interesting character because he is the exact same as JD, but represents everything JD hates. Yeah. He's he's just sort of like, I mean, he's JD. He's JD if JD was like a capitalist rather than like yeah. an anarchist. And they have that great, oh God, this movie just makes so many interesting fucking choices. I love that when they speak to each other, it's always... They're they're creating the dialogue for the other person. So he's always like, Dad, I'd like to introduce you to my girlfriend. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then he's like, son, maybe you should invite your girlfriend to say they're talking for each other instead of actually having a conversation. Yeah. It's very weird. But also, again, man, this movie just fucking nails high school. Like, I know I've been at those dinner tables before. Like, that's the yeah. crazy thing. Like, I've been in those family and home situations where parents are like Parents and children are essentially talking for each other. Like, God damn, like this, sh this movie just nails for being as like absurdist as sometimes it is. And kind of like black, like black humor. It so it's so succinctly sums up like how high school is in yeah. real life. Like the reality of high school is so real is so intense in this movie. 
that it, right. It's just amazing. Well, even at home, right? JD is getting heathered. His dad is this kind of has blown things up and staged evidence to try to like get his way on everything he wants. Right. And we come to find out later that her mom, his mom was so sick of it that she ran back into a building she knew her dad was going to blow up right. or his dad was going to blow up and died. And so now Jay's, JD at the end is reduced to this. I will have my way all the time. Uh, I am this grandiose narcissist as well. Right. He's also going to blow up a building uh, to win at all costs. And it's that I think is fun because. Veronica's relationship with her parents, the, the grownups in this movie are very strange to begin with, but Veronica's parents kind of seem like they're just reading out of this full house playbook. Like we're going to try to be the best parents. And she's constantly just calling them an idiot to their faces. And they're like, man, yeah, I don't know why <laughs> we that- tried. There's not a lot of bond, but JD and his dad are this exact before and after. Yeah. I don't know Which why. Really, it's a very strange relationship and just another interesting choice in this movie. Veronica's parents are obsessed with pate. I'm not sure I understand that. That's that's also one of my like favorite like, it's classiness, gags. right? Because they she asked her that after they're actually having an emotional moment. Right. It's like, let's go back to our table with pate and our jokes about how we're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, there is something else in the movie that I wanted to point out that um, they ask if she wants to, st- that scene where she's at JD's house and they ask if she wants to stay for dinner. She's like, no, I'm going to go home making my favorite tonight. Spaghetti, lots of oregano. I have, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what that's supposed to mean or how good that tastes, but I think that's a really weird, your little inner Italian radar just was like, wrong, wrong. I'm something like, unsafe. Oh, that oregano, eh, oh. Like that's, that was my first, uh, that was my inner yeah, Italian. Your little, your little stereotypical Italian chef and your heart was really exactly. My little stereotype. Danger, danger. Instead of the Will Robinson robot, you have a little. Oh, it's a danger. It's a danger. Italian oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get the mozzarella. Like that's. Now that's a sci-fi I would watch. <laughs> uh, Italians in space. That's actually, that's actually not a bad idea. I'm going to put that. I'm gonna, I mean, why not? We already did Jersey Shore. I'm going to put that together. Italians in space. That's for sure how what we're going to do. Uh, you okay. can have it cross over and be in the same cinematic universe as our Heather's house. <laughs> okay. The oregano thing is not important. I just wanted to point it out because it's so weird and bizarre. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. If It, was it supposed has to, to be something. important because it was in the basin of holy water in her dream. Oh, that's true. <laughs> God damn it. Now, <laughs> I'm going to have to reinvestigate this. We might have to do an addendum episode. I don't know. Oregano might be important. I have to figure this out. <laughs> Uh, so we go to JD's big plot is to blow up the, um, gym during the school assembly, uh, school assembly. He's going to set off some, uh, explosives in the boiler room. Uh, Veronica, Veronica goes down, tries to stop him, does that whole thing. They have this little shootout, blows his fucking finger off, which is gross. Yeah, his fuck you finger, which I thought was a very good choice. Nice choice. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that I love the most about the end of this movie is, we get we finally get the last bit with Martha. The dump truck who's been shit on the entire movie, who stepped in front of traffic, got fucking brained. She and Veronica have this great moment at the end that I just think is the best capper for this entire thing, which is eventually which is really the su- another great summary of this movie, which is like let's just be cool, who gives a shit? Like who cares yeah. about popularity at this point because we all almost died. So who fucking cares? And like, yeah. she has that great line when she talks to Shannon Doherty. She's like, good Lord, you look like hell. And she's like, yeah, I just got back. 
Like that's yeah, one of those. And a, I, new sheriff in town is she steals, and this is a big one. She steals takes the, the fucking bow. heather bow. Yeah, she is now slayed her own heather. Right, so Christian Slater realizes he's defeated, and he wants to go out with his heather moment. Which is he needs an audience to understand how much more dedicated and interesting and hardcore he is. Right. So he ends up dying to a suicide bomb, not left in the basement, right. as it were. Yeah. And she kind of comes in covered from the smoke and wreckage, right? Like very unfazed. <laughs> yeah. And walks in it and takes the heather bow. So to me, this is the first time that that, that red bow, that color is not used as some kind of symbiote or, oh, I'm possessed now by the, uh, symbiote? the evil Sorry, high symbiote? school beach. Oh, symbiote. Thank Sorry, you. Sony. Thank you. Don't at me, Sony. <laughs> but you're like, this is one of the first moments where she is now reclaiming it, right? That she will. And that's what I mean. That's what I'm trying to figure out is that because because the Heather ribbon in a way becomes the white whale by the end of this movie. Right. I don't know exactly what they're trying to tell me by her taking the bow, right? Because to me, a not good screenwriter, you would take the bow, light it on fire, and use it to light your cigarette, right? Like, (laughs) fuck all this Heather shit. But they didn't do that in a very clever movie full of interesting choices. Why does she put the bow on? Is it to remember? Because that's the thing. Her and Doherty had that kind of dual Pandora's box, right? Where she found the good in Heather's locker she found the bad. But actually, Christian Slater is the one who gave... I almost said Christian Leitner. Christian Slater is the one who <laughs> gave her the ribbon. And it wasn't in the locker, right? Yeah. So why does she put on the ribbon at the end to you? I think to me what it is is it's reclaiming the... I think it's to re... Well, not re- reclaim. It's to repurpose. It's taking this bow. Oh, my God. You think she's going to turn the dump truck into one of the popular mean bitches? <laughs> no. I, She's like, we'll have our revenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Heather's 2 is all about. We will have our revenge. And actually, now that I think about it, I think that was the exact trailer for the new Heather's TV show. Is it really? <laughs> the dump truck gets a revenge. That's amazing. Well, it's like it's it's a gay guy, a gay ginger guy, like an androgynous something. And then the main girl is like an overweight girl. And she even has that line like, oh, fat people can be super sexy now. I've always just assumed the craft is. Oh the Oh my sequel. god! What if oh. in that sh- I've never seen the show. I've never either. really wanted to watch a show. I would watch it though if we find out that the dump truck went on to be like a senator, like a shady ass senator. Oh shit! And that the mean girl who is the main large actress in the TV show is dump truck's daughter, having her revenge. Some kind of like witch coven kind of stuff. Like we're gonna do a cyclical, a cyclical time destruction of all other heathers well that's why i've always assumed i could be reaching on that one that's why i've always assumed that the craft is the sequel to heathers but that's me i I, you know (laughs) but that's the weird thing in the craft at least those girls are being mean and bitchy to acquire something real like they would actually have tangible power over nature and magic in this movie the the selling out of self for nothing right is actually kind of a it's a gut-wrenching thing to experience over and over and over again. Yeah, I. it's... Yeah, I mean... As you start to think, you're like, who in this movie actually came out better than they were before? You're like, all of... Like, the, the hippie teacher and the fucking false, I want to feed the, the kids. 
writer, oh, I need a copy of this newsreel of us all fucking doing hippie energy dance for my okay. college transcripts. That All those guys are using it as a way to springboard their fucking false narrative. That hippie teacher, so by are the way. They actually, who's actually better off by the end of this movie? I mean, I feel like, honestly, the only person who's better off by the end of the movie is the dump truck. Well, if her and Veronica form a lasting, strong bond, right. maybe. But Veronica is a murderer by the end of this. Yeah, no, no. Let me, let me, let me make this clear. <laughs> Veronica for sure is not better off. She fucking murdered like five people. That's super not cool. Like, yeah. And also aided and abetted a clear, ser- clearly a serial killer. So true. There's a big problem here. Like, there's a big like. <laughs> there's a big to do. Yeah. You can watch all the pretty and pinks you want during that popcorn party, but we know your fucking. <laughs> we know true what your life. fucking true life is. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, the thing I was thinking about was, um. She does a real good service to that hippie teacher because she literally walks up to her and goes, get a job, and then walks away. And I bet that hippie teacher You know what out. the line was, though? That's one of the best lines in the movie to me. I actually had written this down. Yeah. So she comes up to the teacher, and the teacher's confused. She's like, oh, JD said you killed herself. And it was kind of with confusion, not joy. Yeah. And she, what? And the teacher says, we really need to talk. Deciding whether or not to kill yourself or not, or deciding whether or not you will kill yourself is one of the most important decisions a teenager can make. <laughs> and I was like, wow. what the fuck? Yeah. But that's that's kind of the whole jam, right? It's true. <laughs> and that hippie, It's a brilliant line. And that hippie teacher. This is teacher, honestly one of the best scripts we've covered of any movie on this show. You're not wrong. That hippie teacher wound up being Betsy DeVos, our current uh, secretary of education. <laughs> and now she runs education. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. This this script is so well it's so well plotted, so well written. Like it's not just a one liner show either. Like these one liners are done so well and so like like oh God, it's just so gripping in the moment. It's not like right. we're it's the same yeah. way like I think about like the big Lebowski. Like those right. one liners in that movie are memorable because of the context that they're brought up in. Like right. that whole like everything about this movie is memorable because of the context it's brought in. And it ends on such a well it doesn't end on this like to me, like it doesn't end on this like happy go lucky note. Like what it ends on is like all right, well, the cycle will probably start over, but at least these two people will like move on and learn from their Right. Well, for all mistake. we know, that ribbon begins to infect her. That's the beginning of the end, man. That's the, the face hugger implanting the egg. Don't you love and the as idea? As soon as she washes herself off, she's like, fuck the dump truck. I, no, no. I really Maybe she just murders the dump truck. We don't know. <laughs> I really love the idea that her and the dump truck form the new Heathers. I really yeah. like that idea. They're like, let's start a coven. <laughs> Let's start. No, this is a weird way. This is a weird analogy. So bear with me for a minute. (laughs) I actually think this movie, if you're asking me what I think this movie, when I left, I was kind of reminded of Solaris, right? Wow. Oh my God. Well, bear with me. I can't wait to hear this. So this is to me that this is a movie, a big style, augmented reality, kind of fable dream slash nightmares. Right. And amidst the sea of all of this kind of style and great snappy dialogue and archetypes, there are these little fucking islands or ships, if you will, of actual real personal trauma and devastation at the reactions of this. And how do you kind of learn to live with the the, the pain and agony of what is happening in these kind of bigger, crazier moments of the movie? All right, like 
<laughs> I wish they could fucking see your face of, oh, you are so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> your face immediately, if looks could actually throw fecal matter through the webcam on my words, that is exactly what I just witnessed. I Fuck you, man. I think the film world is going to hear that line and be like, this Griff guy. He's on to something. I think your analogy is reasonably sound. Me and my analogy are sword fighting in the mouth of film truth. You know it. <laughs> oh, my God. I will never forget. Joyously and with consent. I was going to say, I will never forget that line. Sword fight in her mouth. Oh, my God. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard in a movie. And I've watched. You need to watch more movies, my friend. And I've watched, I've watched some pretty disgusting things. I mean, we watched Taxidermia. Like that's true. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I hope that I get what despite, you're saying. I hope despite the kind of sad state of our current reality, man, that, that people can find their way back to this. Cause I think the truths that it captures are worth confronting the kind of scary parts of it. I agree. And again, I'm only speaking for myself, man. Like the the, the younger generations of today, uh, you know, they don't need my opinion on that. Like their their reality might be enough to where they don't need to fucking do this in a movie and ponder these kind of bigger questions. Sure. Uh, but to me, I think it, it is such a fucking amazing uh, blend of style and script. And I mean, the pacing and the editing is so fucking good. The performances are great. And that even through archetype, we get fucking real, honest, genuine moments of heart. Um, and the dump truck, man. I mean, her and Michael Clark Duncan in the Green Mile might be the two characters I most wanted to hug in my entire life. I don't disagree. Of any movies. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, it's interesting. They actually, the that Heather show is supposed to come out this year. And I think they delayed it because of what happened with the. Um, oh, no, it already came out. Did it really? Dude. Oh, I think you, it came out and got crushed. Like people were like, "Fuck this show." Well, I remember it got. It, it was supposed to come out like the week that the um, uh, that Florida school shooting happened, and oh, they delayed. Maybe it. that's what's happening. They delayed. Maybe that's what happened. They delayed it pretty heavily. I don't know if it's. I feel it probably has premiered, and I just missed it. But I mean, I'm sure it got crushed. But uh, yeah, I, I I feel like the current grotesqueries we find ourselves in kind of render Heather's the show probably a little bit moot. But I do think this movie is worth revisiting if you I look, I hope this I hope this movie is found by the generation of kids who's in school now and sees this and realizes like the hierarchy of popularity and all that stuff is not necessarily what it's cracked up to be. But I also think that it's important to see this kind of stuff and um understand that understand the satire involved. Like you have to be able yeah. to you have to be able to laugh at some at some stuff. Even the tragedy of it all, like this, has to be at least kind of entertaining. Not the parts where people are getting well, murdered. Yeah, they joke about this being the bubble wrap generation, right? With helicopter parents and shit. Right. I mean, comedy should be the bubble wrap <laughs> that lets us examine the scariest stuff. Yeah, and I think this. I think that Heather's is a great example of a movie that examines something that we're all very afraid of, but also need to be. Not not just need to be informed of, but also need to be aware that like it's okay to it's okay not to make light of murder or things like that or high schools being shot up or anything, but it is okay to make light of the fact that the things that breed that are still very prevalent even in two thousand eighteen. 
Yeah, and, and I would argue this movie is not making light of the actual killings. No, no. Like, you don't leave that theater. I mean, of course, Veronica skates at the end, seemingly. Right. But, but JD self-destructs and this and that. Sure. And, and again, to me, I think, I mean, even Veronica on a lesser level realizes what she did is wrong. And she she has that line, right, of I can slay a Heather. Yeah. And another one will just rise to take its place. So I think you have to think about it in those kind of mythological terms. Agreed. Right. <laughs> and even though there are moments like the dump truck walking into traffic that are so fucking human and the world is so relatable and recognizable to us that you forget this is kind of a big fable or myth the the idea of slaying a heather that it's just a classic kind of hero's journey right Mm -hmm. the problem is that the heather is the inner demon that's in all of us yeah so i think if you if you can pull back from reality and you know it's it's a good it's a good kind of ripe for the picking area for us to discuss, which is, you know, whether heathering today, I mean, I mean, you can be in heather in a lot of ways. Are you a bully? Are you a fucking white collar swindler? Right. Right. Like a Bernie Madoff. You know? Right. Do you fucking beat up your wife. Do you, I mean, whatever it is you do, like everyone can be a heather, right? These kind of terrible things we do to prop up this false narrative of self. Right. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of movies are about. And this one is just maybe a little, blunt for some people i mean i wouldn't even maybe it is i i don't know if it's blunt enough i don't know if it's necessarily blunt but that's the thing i mean be honest with yourself there are moments you watch this movie today and you're like holy fuck that was like a shocking moment oh yeah no there's like when christian slater whipped that gun out in the cafeteria i was like that is a shocking moment oh yeah no i remember that i remember watching that like earlier in my life and thinking that, but now particularly I'm like, Oh my God, like that kid would be in fucking jail faster than he could say like cafeteria, like yeah. faster than he can say my white father's rich. <laughs> yeah. Faster <laughs> than he can say rich kid, rich kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that kid would be in jail. Like there's, there's things in this movie that are completely shocking. And they absolutely should be because that's the whole point is to shock you out of like, because again, it's about, I said it at the beginning of the show, like there's a, this homogeny to high school that you don't that you that you have to fall into. Like there's the yeah. clicks. There's your click. Like you need to fall into some sort of social hierarchy to understand your place in the world. And I think that's a really important thing for people to learn is something that should be broken. Like if I'm being completely honest, like we should all be trying. Like I'm not saying we should all sit around singing Kumbaya and getting along as Heather McNamara stated in the dream. But at the same time, I do think that hierarchy breeds a JD or a Heather. Like, that's a huge problem. Yeah, well, I mean, that is the hardest thing for every person most days, probably, is how do you just be true to yourself? I mean, it is it is fucking scary to present ourselves and our minds and our thoughts and our feelings to the world unfiltered exactly as they are. Agreed. And a lot of what this movie is talking about is how we pick and choose what we represent and how much damage that can be doing on the inside to us. And a lot of times the more damage you do to yourself internally, that has an external explosive uh, effect. Right. So I I don't know. To me, I watched this movie and, and it just... It's funny because it is this Alice in Wonderland type fantasy to me, 
but it so captures a lot of the real feelings and thoughts I had. Right. Um, as a high school kid. Oh yeah, I think this encapsulates encapsulates high school perfectly. Unfortunately, yeah. but perfectly. That's true. That's it. That's it, guys. That's Heather's man. I fucking I love this movie. This is a good one. Uh, this month has been chock full of awesome ones. I hope you enjoyed Raw and Suspiria. We are working to find uh, Suspiria in theaters uh, near my very Midwestern <laughs> household. So hopefully we're still going to be bringing you um, a theatrical timed Suspiria 2018 show. If not, we'll have to hit you in January when it hits Amazon. Uh, but also, yeah, so old Suspiria Raw already out. This has been Heather's. Uh, the next show we're wrapping up this month with Battle Royale. Oh, yes. Um, it's kind of a more fucking balls out Hunger Games. Uh, we're going to get into that on the next show. Also, still time to submit your picks for shows that you would like to see with schools kind of run amok. Uh, the School of Hard Knocks, as it were. We've again, also we've had really good. We can so go far. ahead and do a brief announcement next month for Christmas. We're going to wrap up the year. Uh, not only cool, we will have hit 50 films by the end of the year, which is a cool number. Very cool. I don't know why it just tickles my uh, my fancy. As it should. Also, we are going to be doing another foreign film, which I think comes from these kind of like uh, all white people places in Europe, right? Like Scandinavia, <laughs> Poland, wherever. The Netherlands, I think this one is. Rare exports. You know, this is a, a dark, closer to the original tale of St. Nick and his child-eating ways. Right. Um, it is a wacky holiday fantasy film. Super fucking awesome. I can't wait for you to watch it and discuss it. But we will be keeping spots open for you alchemists to present us any movie. No themes. No fucking restrictions. Any fucking movie you want us to watch and discuss as an episode. Uh, so Christmas for you guys, it's going to be stocking stuff or delights. That's what we're looking for. Stocking stuff. You can stuffers. give us any fucking film, and we will pick our three, two, four favorites to cover on the show. So take part, guys. You can find that on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Share it onto your feed with your suggestion, and ask your friends to do the same. I really want to find some awesome ones, and I really want you guys to be a part of that. That's our dream for this show. The more of you who are involved, the better, more interesting film conversations we can have, man. Please tell us what you want. We want to give it to you. <laughs> That's right. See, we're not Heathers. We're people pleasers. Yes. We're dump trucks. We want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. We stand with dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it. Uh, also, guys, if you find us on a podcast directory that allows you to leave a rating and review, please do that as well. That helps us uh, in other ways, algorithmic ways, if that's even a word. Uh, find new well people. There you go. Very professional ending. Um, yeah, man. Don't wear the red ribbon. No good. Don't wear the fucking red ribbon. <laughs> For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace, bitches. Peace.